Heavenly Father, for this Advent season, as we look through the passages of Matthew, help us, Lord, to, to find meaning that we can apply to our Advent devotions, to our Advent time, and help us, Father, to understand how we are to live our lives so that we will await for the coming of the kingdom and the Lord who comes. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now for all those who still remember, earlier this year, we looked at the Gospel of Matthew. Now the last time we looked at Matthew, we stopped at chapter 12. The scene where Jesus was teaching a crowd and his mom and brother got a bit scared, then came and told Jesus to stop talking to strangers and come back home. Jesus then said that it is those who do the will of God who are his brothers and mothers. So we saw that Jesus was teaching that those who hear and do God's will are aligned with Jesus. Today we will find out that the teachings of Jesus were meant for those who hear and do God's will, those who belong to the kingdom. And so with this being the season of Advent, it is good for us to see what Jesus is teaching about the kingdom so that we may prepare ourselves to live for the kingdom even as we await the coming of Jesus to bring us fully into the kingdom. Well, today we are continuing the story in Matthew chapter 13, and today we will see one of the secrets of the kingdom revealed to us. In fact, this week's passage is a little special because here in our passage today, we come face to face with a parable. No, a parable is not a monster. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, it uses common imagery to teach us a spiritual lesson. So let's get into our story and see what heavenly and spiritual meaning does the parable of the sower have to teach us. Before we begin, it's helpful to see that this passage can be broken into three parts. The setting up, the discussion of why teaching parables, and the meaning of the parables. So let's start with the first part, the setup of the narrative. Now we see that in the first two verses, Jesus went to sea and a great crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat and he sat down. Now in those days, the person who's teaching the word will sit down and everyone else will stand and listen. It's only in our culture nowadays that we make the preacher stand when preaching because if we don't, the sermon will be twice as long. So we find Jesus sitting down in a boat, facing the shore where many people were gathered. And this tells us that he's in a teaching mode. However, we see that Jesus approached teaching differently here. Instead of a sermon, he told them a parable, a story. And this is not Jesus having skipped his sermon prep, trying to cover up by sharing some interesting story. Instead, the parable that Jesus tells actually has a deep teaching point, but one that is not explained to the crowd. Later, in the second part, we will understand a bit more about why Jesus chooses to teach in parables, but for now, let's have a look at verse 2 to 8 first. Here, we see the content of the parable of the sower that Jesus was teaching them about. Now, I'm not going to read out the story for you again because you've just heard it read out. But to refresh your mind, in case you haven't been following as closely as you would have wanted when the passage was being read, this is the parable that speaks of a man who was sowing seeds, 
And then we see the seeds falling into four different kind of situations of soils. And each of these different situations produce a different effect to the seed. Now, I'm also not going to give you my interpretation as to what the parable means. Wow, Dinesh, you didn't want to read the parable for us. And now you say you don't want to even tell us his interpretation. I hear your shock. But before you fill up a connect card to complain that I'm being lazy, let me clarify. I'm not going to give you my interpretation here because later on Jesus himself tells us exactly what the parable means. So for now, it's enough for us to look at the text and keep moving on. Now we look at the end of the parable in verse 9 and we see that Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear as the conclusion of the parable. And clearly this is some kind of a challenge. And it's not so much about whether you have an ear or not, but rather what Jesus is saying here is, are you listening? But why is Jesus saying this? Well, that is exactly what the disciples were concerned with, as we will see soon in our next section. Now, if you consider verse 1 to 9 as a long intro for this passage content, we come to the heart of the discussion that takes place after the sharing of the parable. Have a look at verse 10 to 17, the second part of the chapter. After hearing the parable, the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, why does he teach in parables? Now, it's interesting that more than the meaning of the parable, they are concerned about this strange teaching technique. And this tells us this is not the normal way of teaching and the disciples were expecting Jesus to teach the crowds clearly as he has been teaching them before, like he did during the Sermon of the Mount. Yet suddenly, Jesus has adopted this mysterious way of teaching where the content of the teaching is not clearly spelled out to the crowd. Then we see Jesus' answer in verse 11 that to you, which are the disciples, the secrets of the kingdom is to be revealed, but not to them. So it seems that the meaning of the parable is not meant for the crowd, which is why they were not told what it means. Then in verse 12, Jesus doubles down on this conviction by saying, to those who has more is given, and the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And at a glance, it looks like Jesus is creating an exclusive VIP club and is seeking to alienate the people who has come to listen to him. You see in verse 13, and we see that Jesus says the reason he teaches in parables is because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now he quotes from Isaiah then in verse 15 and says that in the case of the people who have come to hear Jesus, they fulfill Isaiah, which points to Jews in the time of Isaiah who heard everything Isaiah had to say about God, but they did not understand, they did not perceive. And the reason given is that their hearts have become dull. They do not see, they do not hear, this message that is meant to save them. Now what is going on here? Now the response to Jesus has always been a mixed one. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and he himself has been announcing the arrival of the kingdom of God. But what we see is that the Jewish leaders have not only rejected him, but they declared his power was from Satan and then proceeded to plot to kill him. 
And in that same vein, there were many people of this unbelieving generation that followed the footsteps of their leaders. And many of them would be in that crowd. Yet there were some who followed him. They became disciples. And what Jesus said in chapter 12 helps us to understand that these were people who do the will of God, who align with Jesus. These were the people of the kingdom. And the sad truth here is that Jesus is saying that many were there in that crowd who were not really interested to listen to him because they are there in the hardness of their hearts. Because they were the unbelieving generation, not willing to listen, obey or follow Jesus. Perhaps they're merely there to see a spectacle. And so the message of the kingdom is lost to them because they do not belong to the kingdom because the hardness of the heart. Therefore, the meaning is not given to them, but rather given to his disciples. And this is why parables were given, and this is why Jesus challenges them. He who has ears, let him hear. The ones who listen are only his disciples, and they are given the meaning by Jesus himself. So the real question that Jesus is trying to answer here is not so much why he is teaching in parables, but rather he's saying to whom the message of the parable has relevance to. Only to those who are his disciples. And so the message is not for the crowds. And to find out what Jesus means, one has to be his disciple. Now, if we understand that the parables are meant only for those who are genuine in following Jesus, only for those who genuinely responded to the message of the kingdom by coming to Jesus. Perhaps when he was doing his ministry, perhaps when he was preaching the Sermon of the Mount. Then if we understand that the message is for these people, then we will look at the meaning of the parable and understand why Jesus is teaching them this. Now remember how I mentioned that there were mixed response to Jesus? Now think about it. If Jesus is truly the Messiah and he brings the message of the kingdom from God himself to the Jews, surely the message will be received by every Jew who hears it. So why have there been so much struggle and opposition? Why are the leaders rejecting Jesus and his disciples? Is there something wrong with the gospel of the kingdom? Is it lacking something? How could the power of the word of God fail to bring people into the kingdom that all Israel supposedly has been waiting for eagerly. Now Paul deals with that question in Romans chapter 9 and brings a clearer picture to show us that the word did not fail. But here Jesus already shows us the hint of the answer through the parable. Through the parables, Jesus is saying that the reason People do not accept the gospel of the kingdom because there is a problem with the hearts of people. There is nothing wrong with the word of the kingdom. Nothing wrong with the gospel. And the implication, therefore, is that when the disciples go out with the word of the gospel of the kingdom, they too will see the same thing. They too will feel the same rejection that Jesus has experienced when the disciples bring the message of the gospel to others. So to them, this message is needed so that they will understand and have the right expectation about the mission that Jesus has given to them 
to proclaim the message of the kingdom. And so they are to be like Isaiah, like Jesus himself who proclaimed the good news of God, the message of the kingdom, because there will be many who hear and not respond rightly. They are not to be discouraged by that, but continue to go on to bring the gospel of the kingdom to everyone. And they are to do this faithfully because there is still great hope and power in that message that they bring, which we will see when Jesus explains a parable to them. Now from there, Jesus then explains a parable to the disciples in verse 18 to 23. The sower goes out and he tosses the seed. And this is how planting was done back then. They will scatter the seed and then only will they plough the land so that the seed become mixed in the soil. Now the seed here is the gospel of the kingdom. The good news that Jesus the king has arrived, that the kingdom is near. The sower is ultimately God himself. And in this case, the sower is Jesus. And he has sowed the word in his ministry earlier. And the next round of sowers will be the disciples who will follow suit and bring the gospel of the kingdom to the people. The question then is what happens to the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus has given to the people earlier? The gospel of the kingdom that the disciples will preach to Israel after this. Well, for those who are hardened in their hearts, they will not receive the word of the kingdom. They are the first soil. Their hearts have no space for the declaration that the kingdom of God is here in their lives. So that declaration has absolutely no meaning to them and it will not take root in them. They're not really waiting for the kingdom to come. And then we see the birds, which is Satan, comes and takes away the seed before it can transform the listener. And these are people who are not open to hearing the word because the problem is not with the gospel, but with their heart. Because they do not want the kingdom of God. So for those who reject the word of God by hardening their hearts towards God, then God acts in judgment towards them and he will allow Satan to lead them astray, to take away the word from them. They will not find salvation, only judgment. And this is one reason, therefore, why many will flat out reject the gospel. This is why Jesus pointed the disciples to Isaiah, because his was the same situation. Isaiah brought a message of repentance and the gospel, but the people were hardened in their hearts and refused to listen, and they will continue on until eventually judgment came upon them. But God, still knowing this, commanded Isaiah to preach the word. That is what the disciples are to learn from this. Now the second soil is the ground that is hard and rocky. They hear the word of the gospel and there's an immediate but superficial response to the word. And these would be those who hear the proclamation and say, I'm so happy to be here, to hear this. This is so exciting, they may say. But their response is superficial because their hearts are not really for God. The message excites them but they're not really willing to let the message take root within them because there's no depth to the acceptance of the message. They have not wholeheartedly placed their trust in God and that is seen because there's no change in their lives and their conviction. And because they accept the gospel in a superficial manner, 
their faith is also superficial. And so verse 21 tells us that when times get hard, there comes trials, tribulations, persecution, they will wash their hands and leave the faith. So there will be those that when the gospel is preached, they'll be happy to hear all the nice things that Jesus says, blessed are you, forgiveness, and so on. But actually, they're not willing to bear the cost of being a follower of Jesus. They're not willing to truly be disciples. So when the world challenges them and they realize that, hey, what Jesus is telling us through his teaching, through the scripture, through the Bible, does not align with what the world wants from us. And now there's a conflict between the idea of having an easy life in the world, being loved by everyone in the world, and following Jesus. Life gets difficult if they choose to continue to follow Jesus. And when that realization hit, they will leave the faith. That is the second soil. This is taught by Jesus so that the disciples will not be discouraged. Even as those people who seemed to accept the message joyfully and became Christian, turn back on their faith because when persecution comes, they're not able to accept the cause of discipleship. Then in verse 22, we see another soil. And here, it's not the soil that is the problem. The heart is receptive to the word. They will hear there's something happening in their life. Uh, their life might seem to change. They seem to be following Jesus. But the seed is sown among the thorns or the weeds that will choke out the growth. The thorns here are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. It's about the comfort, the easy life, the assurance. See, there will be those whose heart loves the world and the comforts that it gives more than the kingdom of God. And to them, this love for these things become thorns that will kill the growth in their heart, kill their love and obedience to Jesus. They have surrounded themselves with things that captures their heart more than the gospel of the kingdom. Now to follow Jesus is to learn to deny oneself and to seek the kingdom. Jesus has warned in Matthew 6 that one cannot serve two masters, God and money. But because now there's a conflicting desire, the worldly desire chokes out the desire for God's kingdom, the desire for godly growth, and they will turn their back on the gospel. And Jesus tells the disciples this because they will see many Christians who follow in the beginning but when they see that following the promises of the kingdom will not enrich them or give them comfort, when they realize that it calls on them to carry their cross after him, to die to themselves, to be rejected by their friends and family, to lose business opportunities, to lose assurances, comforts, maybe chased out of the synagogues, they will turn away. And this too is part of how God has worked out his kingdom because he makes it such that only those who are genuinely receiving the kingdom will belong to it. You can't kind of, without commitment, without following Jesus, kind of slide into the kingdom. So the disciples are not to be discouraged when they see this happening. And that was the third soil, right? Then the final soil. 
And this is the good one, the good soil, right? It's a heart that hears the word, that understands it. Heart of a disciple that accepts the gospel. Obey, love the king and his kingdom. And it's not just talking about mental ascent. Saying that they take the gospel into the heart. Let it change them, the desires and proclivities. Submitting to it, accepting it full-heartedly. And to those who do this, they will bear fruits. And the reason the disciples are told this is to encourage them to persevere on despite getting rejected by many who are of the first three soils because when they proclaim the gospel to those who belong to the category of that fourth soil, the fruit that they will produce will be manifold, 30, 60, 100 fold. So it doesn't matter then many will reject the gospel because the ones that accept it genuinely will bear much fruit. And so the hard work of proclaiming the gospel and being rejected will still be worth it in the end. And through those of the fourth soil, the kingdom will grow. So what do we learn then from our passage here in our context? Well, firstly, we follow in the original disciples' footsteps. And so this parable should help us to see how our ministry of the gospel, the proclamation of the kingdom will go. Many will reject. And there are different reasons for it. Hardness of heart and the giving up of Satan because of that. Those who are superficial in the acceptance of the gospel, not really willing to change their lives. Those who accept the gospel, but because they cannot detach themselves from the world and their comforts. They give up. But we are not to give up when we see these things. We are not to give up when people reject the gospel. We are not to give up when those professing to be Christians turn away from the gospel. We are to persevere for that sake of those few who will hear and bear fruit. So don't be discouraged by the many rejections, by those who abandon the faith. Don't be discouraged by all these things that you see. Persevere in bringing the gospel. Because this is part of how God wants the kingdom to be built. God has worked it out in such a way that ultimately the kingdom will be established as it's meant to be. Because those who respond will bear great fruit. And the second thing then, that to all of you today, regardless of whether you are a disciple or not, the secret of the kingdom has been revealed to you. Unlike the crowds back then, you know what the kingdom is like, and therefore the parable of the sower becomes a warning to you, an encouragement to you. Do you realize you're blessed? You're not like those guys who didn't know why is Jesus saying these things. Now you know. So for those who have not accepted the message of the kingdom of God, the gospel message, right? Jesus has come to die for your sins. And if you put your trust in him, he will wash away your sins. He will bring you into his kingdom and be your Lord. If you have not accepted this, then today is the time for you to rethink your stand. Perhaps you just came in to see the architecture of the building or the stained glass, or maybe not the organ, but you have no interest in what Jesus is saying. Maybe you're here simply because your parents or your wife or your husband force you to come. 
Maybe you're here simply because you want to marry a Christian and he or she have told you, hey, we need to attend the church so that we can get married in this nice building. And that's why you're here. Whatever reason that you came in here for today, God has brought this message of the gospel to you once again. Will you remain hardened and let Satan take this message of salvation away from you? Or will you decide to today accept the salvation that Jesus brings? Today is the day to repent. Today is the day to take ultimate responsibility for your choice, one way or another. For the other souls, those of us who have responded to the gospel, or perhaps seem to have responded to the gospel, we should be thinking about which soil are we? Are you someone who likes being a Christian, but actually nothing changed about your beliefs to match what Jesus has to say about things? What are your views about how you treat your enemies? Do you want to crush and subjugate them? Or do you want to follow Jesus who tells you to turn the other cheek? What are your views on sexuality? Do you want to follow what you or the world believes in today? Or do you want to follow Jesus who teaches sexual fidelity within marriage? That marriage is between a man and a woman? Or the need for sexual purity outside of marriage? So if you don't reconcile these things and many more that Jesus and scriptures have taught you, then your acceptance of the gospel is only on the surface. And you are seeking to just accept it at a superficial level without really looking at the deeper things to find alignment with the word of God. And if that is you, then you are the second soil, lacking depth. And friends, your faith will soon dry out. Be warned and seek to grow in your heart to accept all the teachings of God. And what about those of you who are Christians but are so in love with the trappings of the world. If you love your career more than Jesus, how will you endure it when the word of God starts to give you conviction about how you should be spending your money and your energy in your life? Will you be able to say, I will give my money to ministry, or will you see how much more money you can make if you invest it? Will you be able to sacrifice your time for ministry when that time can be better spent advancing your career, pleasing your boss, getting a second job that gives you a second income which can ultimately grant you riches and comfort in this world? Will you consider under these circumstances sacrificing those things to spend more time in the world? To pray. So be warned that your desire for the world and the comforts of the world tells you something. And it warns us that it will choke out the word from you and you will lose out on the kingdom ultimately. Because if you love the world more than the kingdom, then you are the third soil. And if you find yourself to be any of these three bad souls, then you are headed away from the kingdom. And the solution is to see how is your heart towards the teaching of God. So you have a choice to listen to this warning and change. 
And if you are the good soil today, bearing fruit of the gospel, then take care that your heart does not change into one of the three bad souls because things can change. You are shown today what that would look like. So be careful and continue to assess yourself and see that you are bearing fruit for the sake of the gospel. So look deep into your heart. Forget about what looks externally because only you know what is in your heart. And see if you are soil that bears fruit for the kingdom. See if you're being choked by your cares and worries of the world. See if your response is genuine. And if it's not, then it's not too late to repent and seek to respond to Jesus. And if you are the soil that bears fruit, that brings the gospel to many, that seeks to bring more and more people into the kingdom, then know that you are for the kingdom of God. And so do not give up on preaching the gospel, even when so many will hear your message and reject you. Because this is how the preaching of the gospel is meant to go. This has always been the plan. So this Advent, persevere for the sake of those who will come in one day and bear great fruits for the kingdom. For their sake, keep on reaching out with the gospel that you will collect all those who are destined to be with God in his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and we pray you will help us then, Lord, to, to bring the gospel without fear of rejection, without being discouraged by that rejection. And help us then, Father, to see that it is in doing this that we bear the fruit for the gospel that disciples are called to go out to preach the gospel, to make disciples of the nations. And help us, Father, to look at this parable and determine where our heart is at. And Lord, forbid us that we do not turn from trusting in your Son to being caught by the worries of the world or to be, to be non-committal about our following of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be people who bear fruit for your sake, for the sake of the kingdom, for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, who will come back on one day. So in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.